Uh, welcome to another episode of the Underground Sessions. Um, we always say we have very special guests here, but this time we are super excited to have Steve Demadash from Demadash Effects uh, talking about some of his pedal wizardry that he's got going on. How are you, Steve? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? Just uh, living the dream out here, you know? Yeah, doing great. Learning about uh, some more pedal companies. Yeah. It's awesome. So we usually like to kind of get into your mind as a musician before we talk about your awesome gear. So like, where did you kind of start off with music and what kind of led you down the path to getting into building your own pedals and kind of making your own unique thing? Uh, um, so I guess I was in university and I, I've always like played guitar probably since I was 10, maybe 12. I remember I started playing guitar in the year 2000, so that's an easy marker. Um, and so for a long time, I preferred writing my own parts and songs rather than learning anybody else's. Um, so I wanted to, you know, kind of just get them down on paper or on disc, you know? So I started doing that. My friend lent me a really good microphone. And I wanted to flesh out the guitar parts with some different sounds rather than just the one I had. Uh, I couldn't really afford different amplifiers because I was a student. Um, so I got into buying pedals, but then ran out of money for, to do that. So I figured <laughs> I could try to build them. I went to school for electrical engineering, so I was like, I should be able to do this. I, you know, kind of like, uh, I guess, a pride thing. And... Oh, I was so bad at it. I was so bad at it. I couldn't get like anything to work for yeah, probably a month at least. Um, I had and still have this problem where I shoot higher than my competency. And so I'm always having to like catch up to what I want to be doing. That, that still persists. So I'm always learning stuff, which pays off now. But back then it was frustrating. Um and yeah, so I did that. I eventually got good enough to build a few different pedals and my focus kind of sidetracked. It was like, I really like building stuff and kind of forgot about the recording thing. You know, I ended yeah. up finishing up what I was doing, but yeah, pursuing the building a bit more. Um, kind of got my act together and finished university and kind of was off the pedal thing for a while. But uh, then when I, was, when I was working full time a few years later, I wanted kind of just a bit of spare money to buy gear. So I was like, hey, well, I used to build pedals. What if I could uh, build them and sell them? So I started trying to do that. I figured out how to put, like, the graphics onto them from the computer, which is a big thing because I'm pretty handy at computer graphics. And, yeah, I just kind of snowballed. Yeah, it yeah. turned into something you could do full-time, and you're like, all right, walking away from... Yeah, yeah, which was great because yeah, I was kind of sick of the full-time job anyway. I was a software engineer for a few years and I was like, eh, eh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So where did like the, the inspiration behind, like were you always like, I need a sound specifically or did you just kind of like tinker with effects and be like, it should kind of come out like this and then I can tweak it from there? Uh, different things come out different ways. I guess I could speak to like specific instances of how things happened. Like the T120 delay, um, I came up with the graphic first. Uh, it's basically one of those old like Sony Dynamicron. I don't know how you say it. Uh, Dynamicron? I'd have to see it right now. Some, something like that. Blank tape packages. 
and just kind of rearranged to look like a pedal. And I was like, okay, I want to make something that sounds like this looks. And so I kept tweaking and tweaking and trying to figure out a way to make it sound like it looked. And once I got there, I was like, okay, but I want to like add in all the other things like tape machines do and make it more than just like a VHS thing. So now it's just like a really cool, like tape sound thing. Um, my one of my biggest like pride points was Dan Coggins from Love Tone being impressed with it. Oh wow! <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the, uh, Adrian uh, Thorpe knows him and got him to try one, and so that was cool. That was cool. Um, but yeah, for different things like the T sixty, I a lot of people had asked me to do the T one twenties modulation section, but without a delay. Because even if you set the delay minimum on T one twenty, there's still a sixty milliseconds, so it's still you know perceivable. Mm. Um, echo. So I kind of went to set to work doing something with an analog delay chip that can be set much shorter. So you can't perceive the delay. It just sounds like immediate vibrato. And then kind of wanted to figure out the other things I could potentially do to make it interesting and not overlap a lot with the T120. So that was more of a kind of trying to f- different things and seeing what I liked, what I didn't. Mm-hmm. And so that took a lot more longer because it wasn't a very clear image of what I wanted. That's super mm-hmm. cool. And it's funny. Cause like when I uh, was telling them like, Oh, like we're going to do an interview with Steve, like this is going to be awesome. Cause like the first thing that grabbed me about your pedals was the graphics. And then I heard them and I'm like, Holy shit. That looks and sounds like the set, like they match. <laughs> it's perfect. Yep, yep. So, that's kind of funny, but um, like I feel like a lot of your pedals are just kind of this like nostalgia machine. Like everything sounds like this like old school kind of vibe, and I um, love it. Yeah, everything like everything. I don't have that many out yet. I take forever to design things. So yeah, like two, the two big ones can do that. Like T one twenty is like very centered on that. The T sixty like that's one of the things it can do. It can do a couple weird ass things, which is nice because people can use it for di- different things if they want the you know, instant tape sound, they can get that. But there's also, my favorite sound is you can put some regeneration so it's like a flangey and then make it glitch by like stepping the waveform. So that like, that's my favorite sound out of it. But there's a lot of territory in there to explore, which is one of the big things I like doing. Do you focus? Like having a really good vanilla bass sound and then have multiple ways you can kind of step out and do something weird with it. Okay, do you focus more for guitar or do you just want to make these pedals palatable to different ranges of instruments? I design for guitar, but I design with synths in mind as well. But everything, I'm, I'm testing them with guitar as I'm designing them. Okay, for sure. cool. Yeah. Yeah, and like there's some things like synth guys have asked me uh, to do, and so like I'll keep things in mind, um, any requests I get, and people do re like recording tracks with things like the T120. One of the earliest requests I got was to make it mix fully wet because it originally didn't, and then people wanted to. So this one guy wanted to retrack drums with it, and obviously that's kind of problematic if you've got a minor echo because you, it's hard to keep it in rhythm. So. I said about trying to figure out how to do that. And yeah, it's been like that for two or three years now. So yeah, that was an older one. Oh, so people giving you challenges along the way. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of the times I'm just like, uh, uh, I don't want to do that, but then, you know, I'll keep it in the back of my head and eventually I'll be like, okay, I think I can, I know a way to tackle this without it kind of interrupting something else's flow. 
Okay. Has any of those yeah. little side, uh, I guess, side missions basically been yeah, like developments quests. for like a different pedal or something like that? Or something you're able to use later? Um, yeah. I mean, the one like that turned into the T60 was somebody that just literally wanted me to make a T120, but set it with delay as low as possible. I was like, all right, I guess. Sure. <laughs> and did that. And then I posted a picture of it on Instagram and everybody was asking for it. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to disappear for a year now and actually like design a new thing. I'm just doing this. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that definitely happens. You know, you get ideas from people and there's like lots of little like um, tweaks I've made to the T120 along the way that I don't, I don't bother announcing because I don't want to confuse people about what model they have. Cause I don't, you know, I did the V2 thing because I added controls, but you know, before that and after that, there's been little changes I've made just as I think of like little things that make it work just a little bit nicer. So after you develop a pedal, you, you kind of keep tinkering with it afterward? Oh, absolutely. Bit. Your pedals are never finished. Okay. <laughs> I haven't heard of that. I, I, yeah. I'm used to just once a pedal's done, like it's out, it's in the market, it's, that's it. That's yeah, the they're like, we finally did it, we that, perfected it, and then like it's done. <laughs> um, once you get to a certain size, I think that's true. Uh, I'm still below that level that I can just change things on the fly. Uh, like I don't have any employees, so I'm not teaching anybody to do anything. I won't confuse anybody except myself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think it's like interesting. I've got no build, oh, build documents I'm going to have to redo or anything. It's just like, yeah, I'll just reference like the layout. And if I get confused, I'm, I'm the one doing it. So Yeah, you're like, I did it. It's, it'll come back to me. <laughs> we're, we're fine. <laughs> you hope, right? <laughs> but no, I think it's, it's interesting because yeah. it was, uh, I think it was actually the first like gear builder interview we did was with uh, Joel Cordy from Chase Bliss. And like, he's mm-hmm. like, 180 degrees the other way he's like i've been working on this for three years you know we went through all this r&d and we did this and we did that and we you know tested a hundred different switches for this and it's like it's like 180 degrees the opposite way where you're like it's never finished i'm gonna keep tweaking it and making it better and better and better as it goes along it's kind of i'd say some designs are one way some are the other like i'd say the t60 i'm not gonna touch unless i decided to do like a lot at once but the t120 it's fun kind of fucked with honestly i've got other ones that no i'm not gonna touch i like them how they're let's see the t120 is like the one i touch the most though okay and what pedal yeah. are you most but yeah i had that experience with the t60 where it's like yeah there was way too much r&d involved i got it to a place i liked it i'm not touching it awesome i mean what pedal yeah. are you most proud of since you've kind of built up a little bit of a, a select Oh yeah, no. Um, the most recent one is the T60, so I guess that. But yeah, I'm I'm proud of all of them equally, and there's plenty I haven't released yet that I'm also like happy with. So so that's well, that's not, what my next question was. Yeah, what top secret? Them, but... What top secret things are you cooking up in the lab over there? Is there anything that's just gonna blow um, our minds? Like the well, first time I saw the T120. <laughs> uh, the one I'm one of the ones I'm working on. Uh, it's not really a secret. Uh, it's one I've been working on since like 2018 or 2019. It's a stereo harmonic trim. Um, basically that's entirely like, it's all analog, but it's all um, digitally controlled. So there's lots of really crazy options that I've never seen done before. And then you can do like with MIDI and expression and all that and everything can ramp. And like, as I've developed that, I've really like, started to like how it sounds so i'm also working on doing a mono version that'll be more of a what i plan to do is the mono version would be in the catalog that's the one i'll try to keep stocked so i can like you know dealers can order it and then i'll do the stereo one now and then like i'll do 50 units like maybe a year or something 
Because okay. that's a little bit more niche. It's going to be more expensive. And it, it just sounds good, too good to like have as a niche thing, in my opinion. So I'd like to do the mono version as a normal thing that can compete with, with the walruses of the world and what have you. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Now, is there something about the pedal industry that you were surprised about, like good and bad? I'm surprised how like nice everybody is, I guess. I didn't expect everybody to be so friendly and cordial. Yeah. Nice. It, I, I came up as kind of just like a dude with an Instagram account out of nowhere that didn't really like start off interning in any pedal shop, so I wasn't sure how people broke into it. I was like, okay, I hope I'm not stepping on any toes, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, everyone was just like welcoming. It was like, yeah, you're selling pedals. You're a pedal maker. Cool. Nice. Who, is there anyone that you recollect that gave you some positive feedback? Um, one of the first guys was uh, Matt Hoops from 1981. Okay. He was a real like he, he was a real bro from the start. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. And then was there anything yeah, that no. surprised you, like, I guess, struggling-wise, like it was a difficult thing that you didn't think you were going to have to traverse through in this market? Um, I mean, there's plenty of small things. I guess the current climate is very uh, risk adverse. So that's kind of like, so, yeah, that's kind of difficult for everybody because everybody's kind of, um, at the same time, the like everybody's sales are a little bit down, mm-hmm. but also microcontrollers aren't available. Like you're buying microcontrollers that'll like ship next year. So <laughs> if, you, if you're taking less in and you're putting a lot more out, uh, so that's kind of tricky to like, you know, find your footing on that. But I think nobody in the world expected the situation. So that's more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think every business, no matter what industry is feeling that sort of pressure as well. So, yeah, I think, yeah, that's not just uh, restricted to the pedal market. Yeah. At all. No, not yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, the- yeah. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, well, and then like, um, you know, our local guitar shop over here, like, I was chatting with the guy the other day. I went in there to buy some strings, and he was saying, he's like, sorry, like can you go closer to Oh, sorry about that. Um, yeah. So I was saying, like, our, our local guitar shop over here, like, he, I was chatting with him the other day when I went to pick up some strings, and he's like, dude, he's like, I've got pedals and guitars and stuff on order. He's like, they're saying, you might get it in 2023, but probably 2024. So it's like, it's crazy to me. Like, some of these big companies, I mean, they're carrying, like, boss pedals. So it's not, like, anything niche or specific, and it's, still oh yeah yeah no i've got backed up dealer orders too like but you know i can't do anything till i get the parts in so <laughs> yeah how, how do you balance that with like doing that direct to customer from your website um i like doing the direct to customer but dealers reach different customers yeah i currently have a kind of a policy oh. that uh, dealers can't sell new through reverb that kind of keeps it a little more balanced and yeah because in until and including recently i was selling uh like exclusively through reverb but i opened my website shop recently because um i guess there was a law passed in the u.s maybe last year that used items and stuff basically sold through reverb is what it amounts to is taxed and i as a canadian citizen don't need to collect taxes from american residents but I do need to collect them from Canadian residents and reverb charges tax on American residents, but not Canadian residents for my products, which does me a double disservice because it makes expensive things more expensive for the majority of the customer base. And also I have to pay taxes out of my pocket at the end of the year. So I've opened my own web shop that, you know, handles things in a more 
a way that makes sense for my residency, basically. Nice. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Find a way around it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you not sell on reverb anymore? Or are you still uh, having a couple of pedals even with that issue? I'm sorry. What was the last part? Are you, are you still on reverb or are you, are you not using it anymore because of that? Um, I'm using it for, I did a like limited edition drop through them in the past couple weeks, but I think I'm going to restrict the majority of my sales to my website. I'll sell on reverb when it's something I can maybe partner with them and they can do a promotion uh, thing. But if I'm the one promoting it, I'm going to sell it on my website because it just makes more sense. That makes sense. So you, yeah. they, they kind of help you move product a little bit. Absolutely. And if they're going to help me move product, I don't mind that. Okay. But, you know, they take, uh, they take a cut. And right. so if they're helping me promote, I don't mind it. But it just makes more sense all around for, like, multiple reasons just to sell through my own site. Yeah, I never realized that. It, Reverb is such an international uh, company. I mean, they ship all over the world. I never realized it's not that easy if you're not in the U.S., yeah, well, this is a very recent thing. It wasn't like this when I first started uh, using Reverb pretty heavily, like two years ago, even. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's not their fault. Like, that was a U.S. law that got passed in the last year. Right. Yeah, I think I remember that. Everyone started going up in arms when your Amazon purchase had taxes on it. <laughs> Our good old Uncle Sam Ooh, wants yeah. his pay cut. <laughs> I was going to yep. say, yeah, I remember I sold. <laughs> um like I was worried about that when I sold the roads, but like the other the other stuff, like I sold a guitar on Reverb, and then like at the end of the year, they're like, "Here's your ten ninety nine." What? I'm not a contractor. Like I just sold a guitar. Oh man, because it's well, I mean, it's just such a like ridiculous. I think it's six hundred bucks, and I'm like, there's so many things on Reverb that are selling for over six hundred dollars. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially that vintage yeah. guitar market is crazy. So. We'll even look at like some of the pedal resales and stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. Like it, that stuff's just insane. <laughs> it's like, so how do, how do you feel about that? Because I know I've seen some of your stuff going for insanely high prices as well. So, um, I think when I first started out, it bothered me, but now I'm just like, yeah, that's cool. Wow. <laughs> it's like, let's see how high we can get it. It, I think it, bothered, <laughs> it bothered me when I wasn't keeping up with demand, like when I had a wait list. Um, but now that I, like, people can just go to my website and buy it there, I'm just like, hey, that's cool. If somebody wants that specific version for that much money, more power to them. Otherwise, yeah. it's for sale on my website. So. <laughs> yeah, there you yeah go. They, didn't, they didn't look hard enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so did you ever have, like, uh, like, coming up when you first started, did you ever just have, like, a holy shit moment where you were like, like someone wanted one of your pedals or you like got to meet someone through starting this business that just kind of, you were like, Oh man, I'm like doing this thing. <laughs> you know, like, was there ever like one of those moments? Yeah. The, uh, there, there's been a couple though. Most the one that sticks out in my mind was when I went to see the movie Midsummer. Like, I think this was 2019 and I like loved it and went to see it again a few days later. And then couple days after that dude on instagram messages me to get a pedal and i check and it's the guy that did the soundtrack for midsummer whoa <laughs> like, what a coincidence okay yeah you can just have one man you can just have just, one That's here you go here you go <laughs> yeah yeah what did he yeah, order there's been a couple of things like that what did he order um i think he got a t120 i think that's uh all i was selling at that point in time oh, okay nice yeah 
Yeah. Um, there was um, Justin Metal Johnson got one once, and I didn't realize who he was until after he had bought it. And somebody he asked me how I got one in his hands. I was like, I don't know, dude, he bought, he bought it. It's like, is he special? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I guess, yeah, you package everything and you do everything 100%. You never know who's it's going to. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I guess I don't know enough musicians' names or something. I don't know. That kind of yeah. makes sense. Like, I feel like out of context, if you're seeing somebody's name just in front of you, you're like, that can be anyone. It's fine. You know? Yeah. 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 Yeah, and there's always, there's always the instinct, like when somebody emails you being like, do you, do you like give um, discounts to musicians? I'm like, dude, if you're not a musician, why would you be like buying this? <laughs> no, that doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I absolutely <laughs> do not. You, know, you, you, you don't say things like that because, you know, it could be a, a former member of the Nine Inch Nails. So, yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> yeah, you never know. People are just kind of yeah. awkward sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, I kind of wanted to uh, expand on that blog section of your website because I was looking at it, and you get pretty much go in great detail of your ideas, concepts, and building strategies. Um, so how did, did you? is that something you're trying to do, or is it just like you wanted to put something on paper just to kind of put it out there? Um, which section is this? Uh, your blog section of your website. Oh, blog, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I just kind of wanted to put ideas out there that I have because I have a lot of ideas that I kind of – um, they don't really end up going anywhere. It's mm-hmm. when I have an idea, you know, an idea is great, especially an idea you can build like a pedal around, but sometimes you just can't figure out a good way to get meat onto that idea. And a single idea by itself isn't really a great pedal. It needs to have some depth to it. So okay. sometimes you only have like the meat, you don't have the core. Sometimes you only have the core, you don't have the meat. And so I thought it'd be fun to kind of, put up some of those things I've had stored in my back pocket for the past three years and put them out there and maybe people can expand on them and make something cool out of them. That's cool. Yeah. It's kind of like a yeah. open source idea. I well, guess I know, instead of software. Like basically. Brian Wampler does that too, where he like kind of throws out, he's like, I just designed this like little quick, like overdrive circuit for anyone who's trying to learn how to build a pedal. Here's like my circuit. I just came up with for this. Go, go crazy yeah. with it. You know, like I think that's such a cool like it inspires more people to kind of get involved with learning a different part of the making music process, you know? Yeah. And the, the thing I see there being a bit of a hole that's not being filled is there's a ton of people that right now, like not even five years ago, there weren't as many people trying to get people started trying to build pedals. And there are a lot of those now, a lot of ways you can kind of get the first steps but there's not a lot of things that I found out there for people trying to learn how to design a pedal, um, like the creative process or taking the next steps after like, you know how to assemble, you know, all the manual steps. How do I, what, what do I do now? And so I kind of try to write those blog posts, like talking as like about the design choices and then a few technical things like here, like you can, Use, you have to use a capacitor here to kind of like block the DC voltage, just keep them apart. Don't forget to do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, but it's more about design than it is about how to get a cool sound. Well, I think that's super cool too, because like your stuff especially is like super unique and original where it's like, and I, I'm not going to name drop anybody or go after anybody, but I mean, there's people that are huge in the pedal industry that are 
every one of their pedals is a ripoff of a boss pedal. And you're just like, why, oh, yeah. why is this, you know? So like, like I think going about it the right way and being like, here's an original idea that you can kind of tweak and go off of on your own and kind of like learn, yeah. learn the way to be creative about it and go about it and do your own things, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with different approaches. Um, some builders are more interested in sound than in engineering. I am more in, interested in the design than I am necessarily in the sound. Obviously those are both like crucial parts of it, but I get excited about cool designs and unique ideas of how to like have a user interface or how that can modify something. Whereas you'll got to have somebody like Josh Scott, who's super interested in old gear and just like loves old gear. Like that's his passion rather than the engineering side of things. So for you, what makes a cool circuit? What's, what's different about it? than what everyone else uses um, from the engineering cool standpoint? Uh, usually, there are a couple things. Like one is, can be the interface. Um, like having the user interface maybe approach a parameter in a weird way. Um, trying to think of a good example. Like from one of like my own designs, like the T60, there's the chop control that... So what it does is it'll break up the like modulating waveform into a staircase. And so basically they just modify the sampling rate of that. And by doing that, you get little glitchy pitch jumps rather than a smooth one. So it's just, it's just approaching a parameter in a different way. Like, okay. So I find like that sort of thing to be interesting. Um, interesting stuff is, yeah, and being able to like modulate different parameters in interesting ways. Things like the analog electron or electron analog drive is really cool in that it is literally like eight different clipping stages that you can select between and then you can vary things, but it's all voltage controlled inside. So you can do it with MIDI. And like, I think that's really cool. Um, the one thing that I end up doing is buying pedals because I think it's a really cool idea without really considering whether I'd ever use it. <laughs> I, so I often conflate the two things. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's super easy. Like, I mean, I do, I've done that before where you're just like, man, that oh, does yeah. something super cool. And then you like put it on your board and you're like, I even turned it on once other than just like, how weird can I make my guitar sound? <laughs> you know? oh, oh, all the time. Like I probably bought three uh, envelope filters before realizing I didn't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm going to go off of that and not buy one then because I've been looking at a couple just to be like, oh, let's see what happens, you know? <laughs> yeah. It seems like we have a very similar of like like every one of your pedals. I'm like, man, I love the way that like that's, I need that on my board, but I've got too many delays and... <laughs> yeah. How many reverbs do you have? I've got four delays and four reverbs. So, but I switch them out. I don't use them all at the same time, but... <laughs> That's Reverb is less. a tricky one for me. I don't like how it makes my guitar sound. I love it in concept. I love it when other people use it. It just sounds like my guitar is lying to me when I play through it. It's like, <laughs> this sounds artificial. I'm not in a cave. I know better than that. <laughs> I'm in my bedroom, um, all right? I know this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you know, I know that on in a song, the person isn't in a cave either. But, you know, I can see where I am. It, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. The one, the one, um, John from uh, Electro uh, Audio Experiments, his uh, Hypersleep is amazing, though. Like, that's the one that stayed on my board for the longest so far, probably two years now. 
What is that with a hypersleep? Um, it's a reverb that uses a bucket brigade chip. So it's like an analog oh, wow. delay chip to generate the reverb. And there, there's something about it. It sounds, it doesn't sound artificial to my ears, which I really like. Yeah. But yeah, as soon as you uh, introduce, like lots of people like shimmer and stuff and I just, I, I can't do it. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the shimmer stuff. I like like the big, like I have the, the walrus slow has like the really cool, like volume swell kind of reverb oh, cool. to yeah. it. Um, other than that, I've just got, I think, well, it's like a digital reverb on the, the Chase Bliss Mood, and then uh, like a spring reverb on the Keeley Caverns, and then the Strymon Volante, so it's like, it's not anything like super crazy. I mean, you guys are looking super at me like crazy. I'm crazy. Stop looking at me like I'm crazy, because yeah, I have a lot of pedals. <laughs> four, yeah, I have four reverbs and delays, but I don't know, they're not that crazy. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they all do something different. <laughs> I had uh, I just had the issue, so I've been looking for a, a, a Boss Super Shifter since well for a while, and uh, yeah, and um, I settled, they don't make any more, so I, like I settled on a Harmonist. I'm like, it's similar. I'll I'll figure it out. Well, today I went to a shop and I played with it. And I'm like I have no idea what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> if it wasn't for that, I would have spent my money online and ordered something that would have been useless to me. I don't. I have no idea what to do with the Harmonist. <laughs> Is that the Boss one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have one of those. Like, those are cool. But, they're, they're cool, yeah. but it was one hundred and seventy dollars, and I'm like, it's not one hundred and seventy dollars cool. <laughs> That's true. That's true. He's only saying this. So we went and saw Black Pistol Fire. Uh, what was it a, a month ago? About, and he had this like Boss Super Shifter, whatever, like pitch shifting, harmonizing, like whatever crazy '90s boss thing he had, and he was just like jumping on it on the edge of the stage and like doing all this crazy shit with it, and then. Christian's been looking for one ever since. <laughs> well, yeah, when you stack a few uh, fuzz pedals and amps together, I'm sure it look, sounds cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they also have a theater to play to that, like, you can't do that in your house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I see that uh, that board in your corner right there. What? Sorry, what's that? I said I see that uh, pedal board creeping in the corner right there. What's What do you have on the... On the board right oh, now. Oh, yeah. My, this is my pedal table. I built a table for it. Uh, <laughs> it is my dream. <laughs> a pedal table. Well, because I sit at the computer and play. I don't have to reach down, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, so I've got, like, yeah, I've got a bunch of pedals here. Then I've got some on the, like, on the wall. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. crazy. And I don't know how low I can have this go, but I've got, like, yeah, I've got my little, like, space echo down there, and I've got the, like, a synth thing. <laughs> Yeah, my little, my little evil lab, I guess. That's awesome. I was gonna say run us through through what your pedal board looks like, but that might take us uh, <laughs> another hour or so, you know. Um, yeah, and honestly, <clears throat> half the stuff on here I don't know how to use. It, then that's why it's on here. <laughs> like, okay, so this is the experiment table. Like this, people <laughs> seem to like this pedal. I've got to find out why. And then I buy it, and I'm like, "What the fuck does anybody do with this?" <laughs> it's just research and development. Yeah, know? there you go. R and D. There you go. I I don't have like an ambient like style of playing, so a lot of the um, pedals that are very popular with ambient people confuse the hell out of me. I I often finger pick, so it's a very cluttered sound. So there's no room for things to breathe. So I got a Chase Plus Habit uh, when it got released probably two months ago, and I've been confused by it since. Um, <laughs> I've bought, brought it up in like this pedal builders Discord group we have. 
a number of times um, saying, I don't understand why it's trying to do so many things at once. Why does this delay pedal have three time knobs? And there, there's one guy that works for Chase Bliss there, and I think he's politely, like, we're, I'm, I'm fairly good friends with him, but he's politely let other people answer rather than just calling me an idiot. But I was yeah. going to ask if Joel was on there and he's just like, oh, it's super simple. All it is is 21 dip switches in the back. <laughs> no, no. Um, but the more time I spend with it, the more I understand it. I still don't. I think that what's hard for me is like understanding the use case for a lot of things. So mm-hmm. for this, I'm not really understanding why you would want to make a song when that dissonant wrong note you hit like three minutes ago can come back to any time <laughs> like or like if you're playing a chord progression like it isn't like statistically like the wrong chord going to start playing back over the chord you're playing i i don't understand the use case and i know it's a me problem on this one because it's seems to be very highly regarded I don't think it's just a you problem because that's that's, I I didn't pick one up for that reason is I was just like, I don't even know where to start. I like it took me a year to figure out the mood and this is more complex than the mood. And I'm like, I don't I don't have the free time, man. Like I can't (laughs) (laughs) I can't just figure this thing out. Yeah. Yeah, no. um, But I like I think like whatever Chase Plus puts out, like they always put out great stuff. It's always well designed. But ever since they took on that French Canadian knobs guy, I had to tell you, <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten a little crazy. Is there, uh, is there some beef going on with knobs over here? Oh no. I, I, no, knobs is great. I've met him. Uh, like, I, I think I've met him once, but no, no, he's a great guy. Didn't know if it was the, the factions of Canada going against each other. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no. The, Fr- the French Canadian part of Canada is great. No, it's great out there. I have. Uh, I'm dating a girl who lives in Quebec, so I, I go out there uh, every month or two. This is nice. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, we don't do very well sharing. Um, sorry, almost dropped the mic, and I completely forgot my question. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm thinking about the mood. That's all I can think about. I will never figure out how to use the mood, and there's a lot of pedals that, I've, I've just accepted I'm never going to figure them out. And it's not for me to figure out. It's for the more creative people. I, I've acknowledged now that I might not be creative enough for some of the crazier stuff out there because there's people that make amazing sounding things from these same pedals. And I just don't know how, like the pitch shifter again. The, uh, the, it, just, it just could not be your style. You it, know, like yeah. you just don't play that way, so you don't have that concept, you know? Yeah, but... It, it, like him, he's a finger... He finger picks, and then he has all this ambient noise, and it's a little money. You know, yeah, it's it definitely fit. a style that doesn't fit with a lot of pedals for me. My, I got to change my style, I think. But um, yeah, I feel that pain with some. But like guys like like Andy Martin, like people send him like whatever the fuck they cook up. Like the guy from Red Panda comes up with another crazy idea and sends him a pedal, and like Andy's got to figure out something cool to play with that that like shows off what it can do and that amazes me that some people can do that he never disappoints you know what i have never like, thought about that and then you, he is you said that and i was so like wow he's underrated done. as a guitarist i've been saying this for so long he's such a good guitarist because he knows how to like work all of this stuff into like making a usable song i never thought about that until you just said that <laughs> yeah like i've got two red panda pedals here and i can't even conceptualize how to use them but like i looked up an andy demo and it was like that's 
Awesome. That's How do I do that? Is. Yeah. Yeah. We tried to get Andy on the show. He didn't want to do it. <laughs> it's just that's Andy being a really good salesman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's cut out for the job. What has this been doing this for? Like 10 years now? Like back when More YouTube. More than that, dude. Like when YouTube used to be this random landscape of videos. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's probably been. Oh, that's why, like 10, 15 years. I would say probably years. closer to 15, I would think. Yeah. I've been watching him ever since I picked up a guitar, so I don't, <laughs> can't quantify it, you know? Who inspired you to play yeah. guitar? Andy. <laughs> um, me? No, I was I'm just making a joke. That, like was, that was actually going to be my next question is like, as a guitarist, like what kind of inspires you? Like what music do you listen to that you just kind of are like, man, I want to try and cook something up like that? Um... I don't play as much as I should these days. I've been trying to get back into it, but uh, my playing kind of fell off when I was building a lot. Um, but back when I like played a lot more, I was more of a like an acoustic player for a long time. I tried to like learn like ragtime uh, guitar on acoustic. It was very complicated, and so it was, it was challenging. And I enjoyed that. Um, when I originally started, it was more punk and then metal stuff. Like I think I started playing guitar because of the Offspring. Nice, um, nice. Yeah, they were, they were like my band for, for a few years when I was a kid. And then got into like Metallica Megadeth when I was in high, you know, or in high school. But yeah, I think I have come to appreciate more songwriters rather than just like players um, as I've gotten older. Like the composition of music, like I really like Mother Mother. They've got like great sense of composition and harmony. Um, and I enjoy that a lot. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I can't think of a lot of guitar players that have inspired me recently. And I listen to audiobooks a lot more than I listen to music these days, to be tr- truthful. <laughs> yeah. What's been on what's been on the playlist then? Audiobooks. Um so I actually just re-listened to the first audiobooks I ever bought. Um when I first got Audible back in like 2014, which is, it's called The Apocalypse Tri- Triptych, and it's three books of, of short stories that take place like before, during, and then after the apocalypse. Yeah, that's oh, fine. Okay. I, the first story in the entire series is like the best one by like by a mile. So that's what I always think of when I think of it. And so it's a bit of a letdown when none of the other stories is quite as good, but you know, <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. Nostalgia. Now, are you, uh, do you listen to music or podcasts or anything like that while you work, or do you just go fo- straight in, focus? Um, audiobooks. Audiobooks? Audiobooks, yeah. Um, music, I do music sometimes, but audiobooks just uh, kind of, it's just easier because it just goes on for longer, and you don't really have to think about, oh, I don't like this song. You don't get taken out of the moment. Oh, that's you don't have to change the playlist or anything like that. You just kind of let it rock. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, music music's definitely good now and then. But audiobooks are good for a longer haul, I find. But then you get into a thing where like you're out of good audiobooks, and then you feel it feels like every one you put on is just like crap. And <laughs> that happens now and then. And that's kind of when you're like, okay, I I need to find something else. So you just put on some music. Nice. Now, um, speaking of like inspiration, I, I wanted to kind of put this in there. Like, where did because I know the, the Spadola is kind of like a little bit different than the rest of the pedals you have in the lineup. So how did that one come Yeah. Out? 
How did that one come so into the, fruition? Like, is there like an inspiration from that? Oh, um, it, that was another one that somebody requested something. Um, somebody wanted a kind of range master style thing. And I was like, I'll tell you what, um, I'll get back to you like in a week or two. I'm going to see what I can come up with. And so I came up with something that was like a range master with a clean blend. Um, uh, but it had, no, that wasn't, that wasn't, it's something, it was something like that, but there was another thing in there that made it kind of cool. And then I realized it'd be cooler if instead of just a clean blend, you had just like a base blend. And I was like, it'd be cool if you distorted the base in a different way than the treble. And then I worked out kind of the, the pass band so that you didn't really have a mid scoop, like they kind of fill in for each other and um, figured out how to get it. So it's just boosting from the front end only uh, rather than, so you only have to have like one like gain control, then the one gain just like boosts both channels. Uh, which is really cool because that way you're not dependent on the gain of your transistor, which is a big, like, um, that's the big issue with geranium transistors is their gain fluctuates with heat. So Benson's got their patented way of, like, keeping the heat or the gain constant on a transistor. My technique is you just don't use the transistor to amplify. You just blast the shit out of it so it clips, like using (laughs) an op amp. Yeah, so like you don't actually need it to amplify; you just need it to be abused. Isn't the Benson one? Don't they yeah. have like an inside and an outside one, or something like that? Like I thought they had like a like the white one was for indoors and the black one was for outdoors or something. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was something weird like that. Like they were the temperature control thing was like different and. Oh, so you would like if you're playing a gig, you use this one, and then at home. Yeah, yeah. I thought wow. I I thought I read something about that. I'll have to double check. Don't. Don't quote me on that, <laughs> listeners of the podcast. But um. yeah, th- that's interesting. Like, I just feel like I, I do live in a like a cold climate, so I don't, I don't. I've never found it does get hot here though, so I've just never found that if you just blast it, like, so it just distorts, you're fine. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. I don't know why you'd over engineer it. But yeah, I love the thought I, process. I also haven't tried one of his, and, but he's a good designer, so yeah. I don't doubt it's quite good. Well, didn't uh, Billy Gibbons, I think it was Billy Gibbons, who used to put his uh, fuzz pedal in the freezer before he would go out and play a set? There was oh, so much. Clever. Yeah. yeah. I think that's who it was. Well, yeah, and that Texas heat. I mean, yeah, geez, exactly. you can blow up anything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. probably why he's. Yeah, I'm going to look that up. I feel like I'm just quoting wrong things this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, take the mic. <laughs> take there we go. What's uh what's that guitar behind you? This is um oh you can probably actually hear it because I've got one channel for the mic and one channel for that. Oh yeah. Oh I hear it. Nice. Yeah. But um no, this is it's an Epiphone Les Paul. I think it's a traditional, no classic. Yeah, it's nice. I've had this since I think twenty fourteen or so. I modify the electronics <laughs> regularly. Yeah, there it is. What well, what did you modify yeah. on that? Is it and also I, I put I, I've been meaning to put different pickups in it. I've got, I don't have the original pickups in this. I don't know what I have in here right now, but uh, I bought some bare knuckle pickups a couple of years ago and I have no idea where I put them, but I want to put them in this. You just got to find them um, first. And then, yeah. And then I've changed all the controls and the, like I've got the orange drop caps in here. I, I seriously have my doubts about whether fancier caps sound better, but it, they're cool. So <laughs> saying it yeah. makes and it better. I, <laughs> yeah. And then I've got the, you know, uh, single coil, double coil uh, mods. So you okay. can kind of get 
Cool. Yeah. So as a, as an engineer, is it hard to not tinker with everything? Like, do you just yeah. want to open yeah. everything up? Oh, like, yeah. And sometimes you don't, you think you learn, but you don't. <laughs> um, <laughs> like what happens is, yeah, you can probably put everything back together properly, but maybe not the first time. And then some things are really hard to open back up. So <laughs> my my aunt makes a funny buzz sometimes now. I'm just like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have. Done that. Um, <laughs> or maybe you should get back like, in there and keep modifying. <laughs> it's a toss up. Yeah, I could, but that's an afternoon gone and uh, you put things off like that. So I'm just like. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So often, you have ideas like, "Oh, I'd like to start like shooting my own little mini demos," but I modified all my amps, so <laughs> that do doesn't I work. Fix them? I guess I need to fix my amps, and then that becomes the project. And you're like, "Why did I fix my amps?" Oh well. <laughs> so it sounds like next you got to start selling modified amps along with your pedals. Oh God, no. <laughs> I, I don't even want my own modified amps. Why would anybody else want them? <laughs> no, I did build a couple amps before um, I, I started like building and selling pedals. So I've got a really nice um, Dumble Overdrive special clone. Oh. Built into an old, I think it's an old PV or an old Yamaha solid state amp chassis. Yeah, that one's nice. It's kind of a sleeper. Nobody knows. Yeah, yeah, roll true. up to the gig with a, a PV solid state. <laughs> Should have done it like a line six spider. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would have been nice. That's what I had on hand, though. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Now, now, kind of like with your, your kind of basing it off the tinkering thing, like what are your goals for, for like your, your business, basically? What are you trying to move it to? Is there not like a, an idea, a concept you guys you have for it? Um. Well, I'd like to, um, I have, it's a, it's a tough question because I would like to expand organically. I don't want to kind of just like push all at once, uh, but I also don't really want to be a manager of people. I would rather have, be able to do R and D basically, and then have help building stuff and maybe sourcing stuff or like figuring out sub designs that I'm like, I just can't put my mind at this right now. Can you figure this out? You know, um, that, that would be great. That'd be great. I'd like to get to the point where I can just do that and then focus on research and development. Yeah. Okay. Are you trying to have a larger pedal selection or do you like to keep it small and, and high quality? Um, I feel like I'd like to have a larger pedal selection, but um, I am slow at doing designs because I am perfectionist. So, yeah, yeah, that's just you too. <laughs> yeah, and it'll it'll grow over time, but yeah, it's basically what I, what I have space to stock and what I've had time to develop. Okay, and, and it's like I said, I'm I'm always designing um, above my current competency, or always shooting for something that is outside my skill set. So I'm always having to learn new stuff and adapt to, you know, figure out what the trade offs are, what the constraints are, like what I have to work with. Is it worth like putting this time into learning this other thing when I don't know if it's going to result in a benefit? So you know, there's all you're juggling things like that when you're doing a design. That's kind of like outside of your knowledge base. Okay. So do you ever yeah. see yourself like, um, like your pedals right now are? I mean, they're not traditional, but it's in a box, right? Like it's a, it's a stomp box. Where like I feel like a lot of companies now, you look at like the the Chase Bliss Automaton stuff. 
like Maris just came out with whatever the hell that the LVX V2, does. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. Like, do you ever see yourself going to that point to where you're like putting touch screens on pedals and moving slider, you know, none of that? Or are you yeah. just keeping it old school? Yeah, I, I'm kind of happy with, you know, having just like the square box and then pretty knobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I, I have thought about putting a screen on, but it wouldn't be a menu. It'd be more like, uh, I was kind of just thinking about, alternate parameters and so then oh yeah so i think it might be helpful to have a screen that tells you what you've just adjusted so say you turn a knob like but the way i do alternate parameters is you hold down a foot switch and turn a knob and if there's an alternate parameter on that knob you're adjusting the alternate so Mm. for if something for something that has like more than a few or you know one multiple so one for each foot switch it might be useful to have a little screen that tells you, all right, this setting is that now at this. Okay. Yeah. So it's more like a, a marker rather than, yeah, like Visual you said, like feedback, a menu, yeah. menu selection. Okay. Yeah. That's actually yeah, super smart. Yeah, that's cool. Because so. I, 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 I don't think I've seen that before. Well, I look at like the stuff, like the Strymon stuff, especially, like they have all these hidden features, but then you have no idea where any of the settings are in that hidden feature. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, that's. There, Maris too, and that's always confused me because you'd think like those are both like companies r- run by coders, like computer guys. Yeah, and you'd think like computer guys would value good UI design, but I I don't know. I guess I don't know. It, it's very much like they're going for minimalism. Um, and we had a discussion in the Discord like builders group about this the other day. Uh, like it's just I think it's bizarre that they are prioritizing form over function. And to that extent. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. I guess, yeah, especially with a musical tool that you need to blend and mix and add on top or have it behind. And and honestly, that's why I spent the extra money and got the Strymon Volante rather than the, what's the small one, the El Capistan. Because I was like, I knew what I was going to do is I was like, I'm going to set something wrong on their like secret menu of options and forget about it and be like, this $250 pedal sounds like shit now and I don't know what, what I did wrong. so yeah and that's another like that's another like opinion i have on secondary settings is that it should no matter like what it is you should never have so many features on a pedal that it is um easy to get stuck somewhere that you can't get out of like you should always be able to like find your way back to a vanilla sound fairly easily i respect that because it it sometimes is not an easy road playing with with all the crazy options out there so yeah, I think like user interface design is the thing I have the most like strong opinions about. Does that come from your previous background, your career, or? Um, it could be like yeah, I worked on a like test, um, just a big code base that was basically used for testing these computing modules that were used in freight trains that my company made. Um, and so it was like an eight-hour test that like ran overnight and. I just wanted to like, I just, I put a lot of into like making user interface clear because if something was done wrong, it was done after everybody went home. So I didn't want to get a call at, you know, 9 p.m. And then somebody in a room that didn't have good reception speaking to me and like me having to tell, like speak Linux terminal commands over the phone to this person. (laughs) That happened more than once. So I was like, I want to make everything clear. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Past, past trauma. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Like for me, sometimes I wish 
there was uh sometimes I screw up my pedal so much where I wish there was a reset button, just like your Wi Fi router. When like you forget your password, so you just hit the button and you start over. And then you hard reset. Yeah, you're hard, hard reset. reset. Sometimes yeah, I wish yeah. that was a thing. Yeah, I think like in my manuals, I always if there's secondary settings, I make a point of like saying what what it ships with the setting at. Just hmm. so it's like, yeah, if you want to get back here, this is how I haven't <laughs> I I in my opinion, I haven't released anything super complicated yet. Um the stereo harmonic trim is definitely gonna be a little bit fucky, but yeah. It's like okay. Code base. People that, still that buy that. taking me so long because, like, I've I'm intimidated by the code base. It's really complex. So, just trying to get a handle on it now because it's kind of next up in the queue. But yeah, there's a lot going on in there with like the ramping and shit. That's a little. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of cool to know that the pedals that you're developing are stuff that was challenging, or you're challenged yourself in the process of making that. So that there, oh, yeah. you can see that there's some effort and there's like ideas in the sense of like this pedal will have like a variant two or something way more, I guess, better than it in the future it's because you're always shooting for the stars basically. Oh yeah. I might try to one up myself. Definitely. Well, and I think what we talk about a lot, especially, you know, like when we do our live sessions or interview musicians on our show, it's like, you know, we talk a lot about like the authenticity and songwriting comes through. And I think it's, it's really evident in everything when somebody is authentic in really trying to push their product forward on the other side, right? Like on the pedals or, you know, even Jen from soldier straps, like she's constantly trying to find a new, better way, new materials, whatever. And I think that that authenticity in whatever you do really comes through in like the sense of like, I'm always trying to one up myself. I'm always trying to push my idea further and further and make it the best it can be. So I think that's something that, uh, it kind of gets lost with some companies, I feel like. Yeah. Well, it's like what you said, too. It's like, how many people have made a clon clone? I mean, how many companies have done that? You know, it's yeah. like, is that authentic? Everything's a tube <laughs> screamer, you know? Yeah. So. Clone clones are a weird form of late-stage capitalism, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to explain please, that. Please, vent. Let's go. Let's let's get into it. We're, we're just, we're an hour in. We're just getting juicy. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That that one's weird. I mean, it's a great sounding overdrive. It's just the why anyone would pay $5,000 for it is astounding to me. It's special. <laughs> well, to be fair, Bill Finnegan never charged $5,000 for it. Well, yeah. I, he, never, he never saw any of that money. Well, and then he tried to sell the KTR being like, hey, guys, just get the same thing but in red. And people were like, nope, those are 3000 now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I guess if you want an original, like, clone, you're not just buying a pedal. Like, you're buying, like, you know, you're, that, that's part of music gear history at that point. And, that, and that's why you're buying it. But, yeah, not, not that I'd purchase one myself, but I kind of get it at the same time. But the clones, it's like, yeah, that's, I'd, I have a KTR. Like, that's the only clone I'll ever buy, probably. But Yeah, but I mean, with, with so many options on the market, to me, it's like, why? Why would you go do that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're just looking for the sound, it's like, yeah, there's nothing that special about it. But yeah, well, especially with the technology nowadays, they've gotten so close to the sound or even have matched the sound, you can't even tell the difference. Yeah. Well, I oh, think definitely. That was what uh, Keeley did, right? I think that was like the Oxblood 
was like his take at doing like a digital model of the clan in a pedal, if I'm not mistaken. Something <laughs> something unique, different. I never heard about that. Yeah. Keely's got a pedal called the Oxblood, and it's like his take on like a transparent overdrive, it, like, you know. But uh, I think it's like DSP controlled and stuff. Like it's all the huh. digital nonsense. Hmm. I'm not mistaking. I don't know. I was right about the Benson thing. I looked it up. The white ones for outside, the black ones for inside. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ask me why. (laughs) I think we've gone too far when we get to the point where we have inside and outside pedals. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hot and cold. Yeah. Yeah. I think like one of the, one of the harder parts is trying to figure out what people actually want. Cause like, this is a cool idea, but like, will more than 25 people actually want this? That, that's always a tricky one to answer. That's like the million dollar marketing question that even Procter and Gamble still has to do research for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like how many units do you actually want to make? Because like, yeah, no, I've got a few, like I usually have about five designs on the go at any given time. And at a certain point you have to sit back and uh, like, once you've kind of like flushed it out, you kind of know where it's going to go. You're like, is anybody gonna like want this is anybody gonna buy this like should i bother and sometimes the answer is no you're gonna have me and 12 other lunatics probably being like i could i could do something with that and then uh... yeah this one that i've been kind of like half seriously chipping away at for a while is it's like a ramping overdrive so it's got like four parameters and you can like ramp any of them um but instead of like you know you have like the the chase bliss does the, the the um, I've got a knob under each parameter that how much you want to modulate it in which direction. And so then there's an internal LFO that kind of goes up and down. And so you can mod- modulate any of the parameters like, from just a little bit to all the way to the top or all the way to the bottom from the current position. And then the alternate parameter on each knob is a multiplier. So you can have like a rate multiplier of the master LFO. And so like, that's fucking cool, but yeah. I mean, if you do that and put like an expression jack on it, I'll buy one. <laughs> like immediately. I'll give you money right now and then whenever you're done with it, you can send me <laughs> down, pay- down payment. <laughs> oh god. Yeah, so like that's one I'm half seriously carrying like along. Another mm-hmm. is like I don't know if you guys like are familiar with like old synths or anything, but like do you know what the Salina is? Nope. No, not familiar. Uh okay, so it's a synth it had it was an analog synth that had a string ensemble mode that used three like short delay lines modulated out of phase with each other um, for it for a chorus sound, which just sounded like there's a lot of voices. So I'm kind of working on a miniaturized version of that in a pedal, like just analog tri-chorus in a pedal. But the cool thing I wanted to try with it is if you've got three delay lines going out of sequence and I've got a digital LFO, so I can do like, if I do like a ramp up thing and then I put... Um, uh, voltage controlled resistance at the output of each of the delay lines I can fade them in and out so I want to try to get it to sound like it's infinitely rising or infinitely falling by like fading them out when they start falling forget forget the overdrive I'll give you my money for that one right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I thought I had five Um, I've got that one like the the stereo harmonic trim the mono harmonic trim there is another one but I can't think of it what it is um, I've been messing around like the guys at uh, Electrosmith sent me a Daisy like 
a different kind of daisy. I don't know if you know what that is, but so it's like this digital like platform, um, and so it's really surprisingly high quality uh, DSP, and they've got a, like a lot of libraries pre-written that you can you basically utilize to make the DSP a little bit more sensible and human readable. And it's pretty easy to edit their libraries once you can start to get a hang of like what you're doing. So I've got a really nice sounding harmonic trim like on here where you can adjust the filters and the wave shape and the, you know. Um, but that was kind of, I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to like, if I can model an analog delay line and just, it's just fucking around at this point, but it's interesting. Like I, I like it. I didn't think I'd ever get into D doing DSP. The reason I actually got this <laughs> funny story. Um, so I have a habit of buying things like buying coding platforms with the like idea that one day I'll feel guilty about having this thing. I'll sit on my, sit on my desk. And so I'll invest the time in learning to use it. So I buy a lot of stuff this way, like with this in mind. So like <laughs> a lot of like microprocessor development kits, like STM32 picks, other which I've ever learned to use um, a bunch of the Daisy stuff. I have got an Axolotl somewhere. I've got, I bought an owl pedal, but it was refunded. I've got the other Daisy thing. And so anyway, the, the point is, the days like the electrosmith people saw that i had made purchases from their store um in the past and the ceo emailed me saying hey like i see you bought stuff from us and like we're all really big fans of your work we'd love to send you this um pedal and get some feedback on it and i was like that sounds awesome cool and as soon as i said that i was thinking oh shit they probably think i know how to use their stuff <laughs> <laughs> They, they probably think I've actually been using all the stuff I bought from them. <laughs> so I kind of scrambled to, to learn how to use the shit. Um, and like, fortunately, I have a coding background, so I was able to, you know, get a bit of a handle on it. Uh, but I'm sure from some of my emails I sent them there, it was like, what, what are you doing, man? <laughs> Don't you do this for a living? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> And yeah, actually, if you aren't uh, like very familiar with my pedals, you might think they're DSP to begin with. So I don't know if you think I'm an idiot, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think like, do you think that DSP is like the way that everything is going to go eventually? Like, um, not everything. Uh, people are sticklers for liking things the way they were done in the past, which is why you know guitars and amplifiers haven't really like the base models of them haven't really changed that much but i think a lot more stuff will be done in dsp because a lot more stuff is able to be done in dsp and as dsp kind of as the bar barrier to entry like get goes further down you'll see more stuff and you already see that with fv1 based stuff the like the barrier to entry for fv1 based stuff was really low mm. so, but it also was so limited that the its potential got tapped really quickly i think um, the like the most advanced stuff was the Chase Plus dual things where they have like old blood, um, and uh, who else is in the old blood one? Drollo, Drollo, yeah, I think it was Drollo, yeah. yeah, and then the uh, Cooper and uh, Keeley, like those those pairings that, yeah. that was really cool because they had the control system kind of driving those, but using just an FE one chip itself, it's you can't go much further than people already have with it. But with like platforms like this, like apparently this is enough memory for a ten minute looper, which is kind of crazy. That's um, insane. 
Yeah, it's, that's kind of crazy, it's right? It's almost a Pink Floyd song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, definitely, like, things like that, if this catches on, like, uh, this sort of thing catches on, more people start doing things with things like this or more platforms like this uh, get out there, then, yeah, we'll definitely see a lot more advanced stuff from small builders who are using stuff like this. Yeah. That's kind of what I was curious about. Cause I, I feel like it's almost more accessible, like to program than to learn electrical engineering, you know? Oh yeah. So, oh, yeah. you know, like you said, when the entry point becomes lower, some of these smaller companies might start popping up that are just doing the DSP stuff, but yeah, yeah, definitely. Once it becomes more accessible, uh, there, there is a bit of a trade-off because you also have to be a little bit more thoughtful about what you're like buying at that point because because it's so easy to make something i don't know you you kind of want to consider because sort of like the is this actually like a cool thing or is this exactly like the other thing over there because the person put a lot of work into it mm, that's yeah. true it goes back to the pedal copying thing almost. yeah yeah, was it more yeah, expensive like, than the original pedal that made it, it famous for the reason for you to build that? That's the one thing I never understand is seeing $300 Big Muff clones. I'm like, you can go buy a real one for $65. Like, it's not expensive. <laughs> 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 you know, like I, get, I get like the JHS stuff where it's like every iteration of the Big Muff is in there, but like now you could just like any... Iteration of the Big Muff you can go buy for $65. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't understand. But, I mean, there's some cool, like, stuff based off of that. Like, I think, what was it, uh, Caroline Effects? I think, did, what was it, the Shigaharu? I don't know if, you pron- if I'm pronouncing that right. <laughs> but that's based off of uh, a Big Muff circuit, I believe. And, like, I thought that was, like, a unique take on it. But huh. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This is me being nerdy. <laughs> All right. Um, Christian, you have any? No, okay. I think I think we're uh, we're all all set, man. I mean, if, is there cool. anything you cool. have that you uh, want to plug? That like where where can the good folks find you? Where can they? Um, I'm just call my name into the wind. <laughs> Show um, up. Demidashfx.com. That's a d e m e d a s h effects.com. Um. Yeah, just go there. All my stuff's there. I, I write a lot of stuff, and sometimes it's kind of snarky and smartass, and sometimes it's very professional if I'm feeling up to it. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I have my moods. <laughs> well, hey, we really appreciate you hopping on. Um, we're huge fans of your stuff. I've been eyeing a, a T60 for a while. and A mile in a spadola. So. Yeah, no, it's, <laughs> it's so much money I'm spending on nice, everything. Nice. Yeah, I'll get one at some point. <laughs> yeah, so when you see so when you see an order or two coming for Chicago, yeah, you'll know. That's going to be us, probably. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, I should have run out of materials for T60s for a while there, but luckily I found them, so they're in production now. Should have them in a month or two. Awesome. Sweet. Yeah, you got yeah. a month, Dylan. 30 days. Yeah, there we go. got to... <laughs> come up with some cash (laughs) but uh (laughs) but uh yeah everyone who's listening if you play an instrument or even if you don't go to demodash buy yourself some pedals they're pretty to look at as well as pretty sounding so go give steve all your money um 
and then he can build even cooler pedals. Exactly. <laughs> if we, we yeah. fund him doing more R and D. I've been trying to think of a tagline that's something like that. Pedals that like sound as good as they look or something. Yeah, it's cheesy, but something along the, like there's something there. Yeah. There's something it's not there. it's in the right vein. You gotta Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, gotta find a better wording. Yeah. Now he, now Steve's gonna ponder this at dinner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Just demo dash effects. Give us all your money. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I can like my problem is like I can never think of anything serious that's good. I'm just like Demidash effects. Fuck you, pay me. <laughs> <laughs> that's the tagline we're ending the show. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, you can't put that on business cards. <laughs> I think you can. I think you like that's the brand. You know, <laughs> it's kind of brand. like this, yeah. this whimsical yeah. like, like. Yeah, yeah. It's like no, no, no. Don't, don't swear at your customers. Okay, well, who am I going to swear at then, guys? <laughs> I don't have any friends, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean I don't have friends? I have customers. They're like the same thing, right? <laughs> they talk to me. To their <laughs> yeah, they talk to me and ask questions. Yeah, yeah. These are my only friends. It's cool. <laughs> but don't think of it as customers. You have fans. That's that's. That's better. A lot of fans. What I got in a weird conversation with uh, Ed from Tonesar at one point um, when I was first starting, where I can't recall this is this is years ago, but it's very weird. It was very like two generations with uh, differing views on selling to people, and he was very much of the like opinions like no, you just form like relationships with musicians and you sell to them only like touring musicians you use your stuff as tools uh because if you're not doing that then you don't have customers you just have a fan base it's like if people are sending you money for your shit it, they're, they're customers i don't know why you're gatekeeping this but at I'm the same trying time to make money man but at the same like, time though i, I feel like uh that's where like the boutique stuff differs right like i'm a fan of the not just what it sounds like but the artwork and you know a lot of these guys and you know the way you handle social media it's got its own voice to it you know and that that to me is like i'm a fan and i'm a customer you know yeah and, uh, honestly like, i think like a working musician who's on the road most of the time probably would prefer like a boss pedal that they can easily replace if it gets broken or stolen like you're not i'm, I'm designing for somebody who might be in the studio or in the bedroom trying to like get inspired so it's like it helps with the creativity but it also is you can dial it in and use it as a tool when you need to but it's not just like or you know a road worthy tool that's all it is it's a great way to put it yeah beautiful awesome mm. <laughs>